Hey, I'm super glad that you're here this morning. We're right in the middle of a series uh, called The Cross Equals. And, and so we've said the cross equals what? What does the cross, what does the cross mean? And so I want to encourage you, if you missed last Sunday, go on to our podcast and catch up with last week's message. We said the cross equals a new mind. I'm telling you, that message will impact your thinking and will help you see what God wants to do in your mind and in your thought life. Also, we've been pursuing spiritual renewal. We've been asking God and following the Holy Spirit in His attempt to renew not only our own soul, but to renew Kingwood Church in this season of of outreach and harvest and everything God wants to do in our culture. And so we've been pursuing God for renewal. Here's what's important. In a time of renewal, it's very important that you understand what the cross means. It's very important that you know what the cross means. That you understand not only that Jesus died, but you understand why he died. And you understand what his death set in motion. So we're in this series just been using symbols. And in our culture, we have a lot of symbols. We have the last week we looked at the golden arches of McDonald's. Everybody knows what that symbol means. The uh, circles of the Olympics, the Nike swoosh, just do it. We use a lot of symbols in our culture. So we've been using this cross that has become the universal symbol of Christianity everywhere in the world that represents Jesus' death. But the question is, what does it mean? So we've just said the cross equals what? Last week you said the cross equals a new mind. Now this week I want to introduce another symbol to you and uh, see if you know what it means. Does, does anybody know, uh, flip to the next slide, does anybody know what this symbol is? What is it? If you said tic-tac-toe, you hadn't been on the computer recently. Not tic-tac-toe, it's not pound sign. What is it? Hashtag. Great. What is, it, what is a hashtag? A hashtag is kind of like a label uh, that's followed by certain information. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I got to be honest. You're you're one of the liveliest, um, uh, like time change nine o'clock a.m. services I've ever been a part of. I couldn't believe the way you worshipped this morning. The way you worshipped, the way you clapped, the way you sang, the way you entered in. You've blown me away. You must have had extra coffee. How many have had extra coffee? Confession time. How many of you had your extra hours worth of coffee? Praise God. Thank you. And do that from now on because it worked. I want to show you some hashtags, but here's what I want you to do. When you see a hashtag that identifies you or that fits you, I, I, I want you to make some noise. I want you to clap. I want you woohoo! Now, don't run around or nothing like that, but, you know, you don't have to do laps. But if, if you see a hashtag that fits you, I want you to make some noise. I want you to cheer and say, yes, yes, yes that's me. All right, so you ready? Here's the first, has, here's the first hashtag. Okay. You know what's coming. Let's see the second one. Whoa! Roll Tide. All right, okay. All right, let's, let's move on and see what else we got. I'm like a dog guy. I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily get that, but I'm glad for you. All right, uh, next one. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for coffee, especially this morning. 
All right, what about this one? Now, now what was that pause for? We didn't have that for Auburn or Alabama. We didn't have that for football. But I'll give you a little credit. It was a long one, and the words are all jumbled together, and it's hard to read. Okay, all right, all right. All right, you ready? One more. How about this one? Come on. Yes. All right. So see, a hashtag identifies everything. Now, here's the question this morning. Who has the right to identify or label someone or something? If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Who has the right to label or hashtag something or someone? There's two people that have the right to hashtag or label someone or something. Number one, the maker. The maker of a thing has the ability. So when Nike makes a t-shirt, it puts a little swoosh on it, or it makes shoes, it puts a little swoosh on it, and it has that company has the right to do that because that company's the one who made it. If you have an Apple product, I guarantee you on it somewhere is a little Apple. It might be monochromatic, but it's a little Apple with a little bite taken out of it. And Apple has the right to put that label on what they make because they're the one who make it. Now, here's the second person that has a right to label or hashtag something. The buyer. The buyer has a right to hashtag or label something. If you ever played baseball or softball and uh, your dad took you down to the uh, sporting goods store, bought you a glove, uh, brought it home, you know, put a rubber band around it, got all ready. The one thing that he said to you is take a permanent marker and write your name on it. Why? Because we bought it, and you're going to be out there on the field with about 111 other little kids, and one of them's going to pick your glove up and take it home. We'll never see it again. See it in heaven next time. Right? Write your name on it. Why would you write your name on it? Because you bought it. It belongs to you. Now, you can't take that marker over to the sporting goods store and walk the aisles and start writing your name on everything. Because one, they'll arrest you. Uh, Two, it's defacing their property. And three, you didn't buy it. It doesn't belong to you. You don't You don't own it. So the maker and the buyer have the right to hashtag or label something and no one else does. So now, let me ask you one question. And if you get the answer right to this question or how you answer this question literally changes everything about your life. One question, the way you answer this one question will change everything about your life. Who has the right to hashtag you? Whether you're 12 or 82, it doesn't matter. The way you answer that question, if you get it right, it changes everything. So, hashtags and labels are very powerful. If someone gives us a label and we accept it, it can literally control the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we make decisions. So, there are also hashtags that we, that we grow up with. You know, labels or hashtags that people put on us. So, in our culture... For example, food addiction is a huge problem. It's, a, it's an enormous problem. Uh, we don't get the phrase comfort food by accident. Sometimes when we hurt, sometimes when we go through pain, sometimes when we have problems, we run to the wrong thing for help. We run to the wrong thing for comfort. Now, here's what I want to state right up front. This is kind of a guiding thought for everything we're going to say today. Anything you run to other than Jesus will hurt you and disappoint you and ultimately destroy you. Anything you run to for help other than Jesus will hurt you, will disappoint you, and will ultimately destroy you. 
So this morning, I just want to give you some hashtags that some of us grew up with this morning. Maybe they were attached to you early in life, and you've struggled to shake that label. You've struggled to shake that hashtag. So let's look at the first one this morning. Hashtag unattractive. Maybe, maybe you had a food addiction. Maybe you learned to cope with things through food. Or maybe, maybe there were kids that you know, made fun of you. You didn't fit in the right crowd. You didn't fit in the right group. I don't know if you can remember this, but middle school is a terrible time. There's not a middle school kid in our church I would trade places with today for a million dollars. Not going back. Not going back to do that. That is painful. That is awkward. It is difficult. And middle school kids are mean. <laughs> they, they, are, they are mean because they are, they are insecure and they're trying to work it all out. And so this label, once you embrace it, it changes how you act, it changes how you think, it changes how you feel, and it changes the decisions that you make. So let me give you an example how this might play itself out in a highly seductive culture like ours. So we have women in our culture that see all of this in the media, all of this on TV, all this in our culture, all, all this promiscuity, and sometimes women will sleep around because they feel unattractive. And for just a short time, they feel attractive, and then they go back to feeling unattractive again. It comes from this hashtag. Sometimes uh, 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 food addiction, but also eating disorders come from this hashtag. If you accept this hashtag, it will break down your life. So let me look at a different hashtag. What about this one? What about hashtag stupid? Middle school kids and high school kids who are told that they are stupid, quit trying. Because when you look at a kid and you tell them you're stupid, what you just told them is there's no reason to try. And the truth is, some of you this morning were told by your parents you were stupid, you were told by your coaches you were stupid, or maybe you were told by a teacher you were stupid. And when they told you that, whether you were aware of it or not at the time, how you interpreted that is, why even try? I'll never measure up, I'll never, I'll never cut the grade. And I think we've been asking the wrong question about people for way too long. We've been asking the question, are you smart? And there's only two answers. And either you're in or you're out. What we should be asking is, where are you smart? Because you are smart. God made you smart. God made you good somewhere, and we just got to find it. What about this hashtag? Hashtag disappointment. We don't know where we fit. We don't know where we are good. We work hard to please other people and make people proud of us. And when we don't succeed, we feel the disappointment of other people. If, I, if you were honest, if I were honest, we could all raise our hand to this one. I'm not going to ask you to, but just answer it inside your own mind. How many of you have ever tried to be like somebody you admire? And it really wasn't you, but you admired them. And so you tried to act like them. You tried to walk like them or gesture like them or talk like them or think like them or be funny like them or be smart like them or be talented like them. You tried to be someone where, someone you're not. Uh, uh, some of you this morning in this room, you've had your parents look at you and say, why aren't you more like your brother or sister? And you can feel the burn of that disappointment. I can remember sitting in seventh grade algebra class. 
uh, you know, working on the problems. And I, I don't know if they still do this. You have these little uh, math problem races. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm going to time you. Go. And then everybody starts doing their little algebra problem. And I'm doing my little algebra problem. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, I am burning this pencil up. I got fire on the page. Just wait. I got to be, I might not be first, but, man, I'm close to the top. And then I can remember hearing the teacher's voice say, is everybody done yet? What do you mean is everybody done yet? I, like, I, no, I'm not done. and I'm first. And then I can remember looking up off the page and looking in her eyes and her looking at me like, we're waiting on you. And I was just never good at algebra or math. And those labels stick to you and they affect you and they affect the way you decide things and they affect the way you value yourself. We're affected by the labels that people, that people put on us. There are men in this room that if they were able to be honest maybe with you or themselves would say, I still feel like a disappointment to my dad. And some of your dads have been gone for 5 or 10 or 20 years. And if the truth is told, you still feel like a disappointment to your dad. You're still living for the approval of a man who's gone. There are ladies in the room who grew up with a critical mother. And you're still waiting for her approval. You've worked hard and you've pushed yourself hard. And you've tried hard to be a good daughter and to be a good wife and to be a good mom and to be a good mom to maybe your sons or daughters and you keep thinking that you're one more really solid effort away from doing something good enough that she's going to look at you and say, boy, I'm proud of you. Man, you're greater. You've become the woman I've always dreamed that you'd be, but she just never seems to say it. Hashtag disappointment. I remember when I had graduated high school, I told everybody for a year and a half I was called to be a pastor and I was going to go off to college and prepare. But my family didn't have very, the money to pay that and I didn't have any outstanding attributes that qualified for me for a scholarship of any type. And so I tried to raise the money. I worked three jobs that whole summer trying to raise the money and I just couldn't raise enough money. And uh, so I had to stay home and work another year. And while everybody else went off and did what they did, I stayed home and worked another year. And I worked three jobs for another year. And I saved everything I could save. And I can remember uh, there was a pastor who I used to work for. He ran a roofing company. And I used to get up at dark and ride over. And uh, when the sun rose, we'd, we'd uh, roof. We'd go on the roof and lay shingles and all that stuff. And I can remember when I worked for him, I... Uh, I got another job and I quit. And so I ran into his wife in the mall one night where I worked, one of the jobs I worked. And she said, oh, I thought you were going off to college. And I, I said, you know, I, I am. I just don't have the money yet. And so I'm going to work in the year and save the money. And she looked at me and she said, you'll never go. And in that moment, I could feel the burn of disappointment. I could feel, I could feel how, how bad that felt. What about this hashtag? Hashtag ungodly. Sometimes we make bad choices, and I guarantee you, if not every time, most of the time when you make a bad choice, there's somebody watching you and waiting to point the finger at you and go, gotcha, gotcha, you're ungodly. I knew you weren't everything you were cracked up to be. I knew it was fake. I knew you were fake. I knew you were phony. And they're ready to pounce on you at any minute, and you may feel ungodly because of a decision you made 20 years ago. 
And you may feel ungodly because something you did last night. But however you got there, when we embrace those voices of condemnation, when we embrace those voices of separation and rejection, those labels stick. And this label is a heavy one, and it influences us. And here's how it influences the way that we think. We say, well, if I'm ungodly anyway, I might as well go ahead and do this. Because after all, it's who I am. I mean, I guess it's who I am. I mean, I guess I'll never be the Christian, the kind of Christian uh, people that I see at church. I guess I'll never live up. I guess I'll never be as good as my mom or dad or my brother or my pastor or my teacher or my coach or my friend or my little Miss Perfect friend or Mr. Hero. I guess I'll never be like that. So I'm ungodly. It's who I am. Therefore, I ought to act this way because it's who I am. Do you think any of these labels or tags have any influence on the decisions that people make in life? Sure they do. When you define yourself inaccurately, listen to this, you will always end up doing things you regret and feeling things you wish you didn't feel. When you inaccurately define yourself, you will always end up doing things you wish you didn't do and feeling things you wish you didn't feel. Look, here's what I know about everybody here. Here's what I know about everybody here or everybody listening to this on the podcast later. You have hashtags. You have labels. Some of them you've put on yourself, and some of them other people have put them on you, and you've accepted them. And here's why it matters. Hashtags and labels are powerful because they can lock us in, and they can lock God out. And, and there's, and there's, a, there's a, a lock there, a wall. There's some dangerous hashtags that we accept, and they affect us. Let me, let me just give you a few of those. How about this? Hashtag divorced. Now, whether it's your fault or not, it can become a label. And people make bad decisions based on this label all the time. And so what they say is, I don't deserve a good spouse because my identity is I'm divorced. I messed up, I ruined it, now I have to deal with, with whatever's left, and I don't deserve. And I see people all the time getting a second marriage they have no business getting into because their identity is I'm divorced. Something, something went wrong here. What about this one? Uh, had sex before marriage. I mean, I already slept with one person. I might as well sleep with another. It's who I am. Move in, move in and live together. Why not? I've already done it. What difference does it make? What about this one? Can't let go. I can't get over what I did or I can't get over what happened to me. So I might as well accept it. This is who I am now. Man, I, I was sitting in my office in Florida, and there was a, a, an older lady in our church. She was 74. I was a youth pastor. And she sat in my office and she came and talked to me and she said, I just wanted to share this with you. So I needed to tell somebody. And she began to unfold for me the most horrific story of sexual abuse that happened to her inside her family as a little girl. And as I looked at that 74-year-old woman who had bottled that up for decades for generations and not told anybody as she let it out she cried and grieved and mourned and it tore my soul in half to sit and listen to it because she took it on as her identity and it had burdened her soul 
for decades. And it had made her feel less and condemned and shameful and that it was her fault and everything else under the sun that was wrong. But that identity shaped her when it was accepted. Nothing that she did wrong. Nothing that she could have done to prevent it. But yet she embraced that identity. I am broken. And I cannot let go of it. What about this one? Addicted. So maybe you say, my dad was alcoholic. My granddad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. And as long as you accept that identity, you're going to be an alcoholic. Because that's the identity. Or maybe you say, I've looked at pornography since I was a teenager. It's been a secret sin. I've been maintaining it all this time. I've always done that. I'm always going to do that. It's who I am. Other people can be free, but I can't be free. I guarantee you, as long as you think that, you'll never be free. Because it's become your identity. What about this one? Overwhelmed. I'm busy. I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do any better. I'm just getting by. It's not my fault. I don't mean to. I'm just overwhelmed right now. Labels are powerful things that send us on certain paths of destruction. So the question I ask you this morning is, who has the right to hashtag you? There's only one person that has the right to hashtag you, the one who made you and the one who bought you. The one who made you and the one who bought you. Psalm 139, 13 says, For you were created, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God made you. He is your maker, and he's the only one that has the right to define you and label you. Not only did he make you, Romans says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You know what the word justification means? A new identity. God not only made you, he bought you. He paid for you. We sang it this morning, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, give him a hand this morning and say, God, I thank you today. You are my maker. You are my buyer. You purchased me. So God's the only one who you should ever let hashtag you. Matthew chapter 11, as we kind of bring this to a close this morning, verse 28. Man, if I could have you take these three verses out, like if you would start your day for a week with these three verses... It would, it would impact your soul so much. And I promise you something. About the third or the fourth or the fifth day that you open this, these verses and you start your day with them and set your mind on them, it'll hit you. Something will hit you. Something will start to change in you. You'll start to get deeper in them. They'll start to mean more. You'll start to go below the surface. And you'll, you won't just read on an intellectual level. You'll read on a spiritual level. And those words will become life to you. Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is both an invitation and a promise. Jesus says, come to, come to me. I invite you, come to me. And it's the promise. And what are you going to do to me? Are you going to punish me? Are you going to slap my hand with a ruler? Are you going to condemn me? Are you going to make fun of me? Are you going to put me down? Are you going to reject me? Are you going to isolate me? Are you going to separate me? No, I will give your soul rest. 
The maker and the buyer wants to give your soul rest. And I will give you rest. I've worked in, in church all my adult life. And let me tell you something that I've learned. Let me just tell you something I've learned. I've given my entire adult life to church work, and I'm going to tell you what I've learned. No one has it all together. And the people who look like they do are usually the ones that are hiding the most or crumbling on the inside or about to drive their family nuts. I'm telling you the gospel truth. I'm telling you what... what A few decades of ministry taught me. That's the truth. Let me tell you what is exhausting. Dragging around all these labels and identities and hashtags that you have accepted or created for yourself or other people have put on you or ones that you're trying to live up to. It is exhausting to drag all those frames around. There are people who go places and say things and do things because of other people, what other people think about them, and it's exhausting. The quickest way to lose sight of what God says about you is constantly focus on what other people say about you. There are too many people worried about uh, what people on Facebook think about you. What about what your heavenly Father thinks about you? Jesus is saying, you don't have to carry that weight anymore. Come to me and I will give your soul rest. Matthew 11, last two verses, 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke is another way of saying teaching. Take my teaching upon you, because my teaching is easy. See, a yoke was a contraption that you'd put two oxen in that would kind of bind them together so that their energy could be harnessed to plow a field or to pull a great weight. And they could do more together than, than they could do separately if you could get them both going the, the same direction. That's what, a, that's what a yoke is. So Jesus pulls this idea, this picture of a yoke so the people that heard it for the first time would understand it. It's foreign maybe to most of us. But it would have been very common at that time. So he's saying, connect yourself, yoke, get up underneath the yoke with me. Connect yourself to me through teaching, through my teaching, and learn from me. Culture will lead you astray. Culture will have you going this way and backward and all, all, all the ways around. And Jesus says, get up underneath my yoke because I am gentle and humble. You know the number one hashtag that this culture wants to place on Christians? Judgmental and harsh and condemning. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. I am gentle and humble in heart. They don't get it from him. They might got it from some of us, but they don't get it from him. I am gentle and humble in heart. The world is not gentle and not humble in heart. The world will lead you into a system and then it will condemn you for going there. Verse 30, my yoke, my teaching is easy and my burden is light. Listen, you might want to write this thought down. Jesus doesn't always promise instant change, but he always promises change. It might be instant, It might not be instant, but I can tell you this. You get up underneath his yoke, you won't be the same. I don't know how long it'll take. I don't know how long it took to get there. 
I don't know how long it took to get, his, to get in the spot you're at. I don't know. I don't know how long it took. Maybe it'll be instant. Maybe it'll be a miracle. Maybe it'll be supernatural. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe it'll be weeks. Maybe it'll be months. Take his yoke upon. Jesus is saying, you take one side of the yoke. I'll take the other. Walk with me and learn from me and take my way of doing things on for yourself and your life will change. Jesus died on the cross and his death means a new mind. It also means a new identity. You are not who you were. You are not who other people say you are. You are who your maker and your buyer says you are. He died on the cross and he bought you. So here's how I want to end the service this morning. Let me give you a few hashtags that are true for every Christian. And if you're here and you're not a Christian or you're not, you're a long way away from God, they can be true for you. They can be true for you today. How about this one? Accepted. You are accepted by God. Now I want you to think about this with me for a minute. Most of us have worked really hard at some point to be accepted by somebody, by some group, onto some team, into some family. But here's what I want you to see this morning. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, God has accepted you because of Jesus' work. And you don't have to work anymore. You are accepted, and Jesus is the only person who will accept you fully as you are. Now, here's a, a second one. I'm going to give you three. Beautiful. Now, I just lost every guy in the room. There's a version of this for male and female. I don't have time to get into all of it. Let me just deal with the obvious one. The cry of every female heart is, am I beautiful? Every woman wants to feel beautiful and, and most women struggle with that concept and struggle with that concept for three reasons. Either because of something that you've done or something that somebody did to you or because you're comparing yourself to a younger version of yourself or to a computer-generated woman that's not even real. Now that's the truth. There's a struggle in our culture doesn't do anything to help us. But let me tell you the hashtag that God gives you. You are, according to Scripture, a daughter of the King of the universe, and you can only be beautiful to Him, and you are always invited and welcome and have a place at His table. Here's the last one. New. Jesus doesn't fix you when you become a Christian. <laughs> See, you and I aren't bad people who, who've been doing bad things that need to start doing good things. That's not who we are. We are dead people that need to meet an alive God and have a resurrection. That's who we are. We don't need to just start doing good stuff. That's not going to work. You can't clean the inside of the cup when you start on the outside. you got to start on the inside. And the Bible says if you are separated from God, you are dead on the inside. You don't need to work better. You don't need self-help. You don't need one of those things. What you need is resurrection. You need to come to life on the inside. And Jesus can perform that kind of miracle. 
So the things that I did in my past are a reality. They're just not my identity. They're what I did. They're not who I am. Because I met the one who died on that cross. And he's resurrected me into a new person. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask our prayer team if you would get in place. And would you just stand in in a place where you can be still and close your eyes? I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk to you for a minute and I want to invite you to prayer. Well, I could feel the heaviness in the room this morning. We are dealing with real life and real stuff, real problems and real challenges and real wounds and real hurts. And this morning, if you're here and maybe you're, you're not a Christian, you're a long way from God, And you say, today, I want that acceptance. I want that beauty. I want that newness that you talked about. Why would you reject a God who only wants to make you accepted and beautiful and new? That's what he wants. So this morning, you say, I need to reconnect. I need to connect. I need to find God. I need need that resurrection in my soul this morning. Boy, if that's you, we want to pray with you today. Maybe maybe you're here, and I want to talk to you specifically. If God spoke to you today, nobody looking around, just just find a moment of, of peace, quiet, and evaluate your soul. If God spoke to you today and said, there's a label you've accepted that I want to change. It's time for that label to come off. It's time for that identity to come off. I want you to respond to prayer this morning. If you're here and God spoke to you and said, there's an identity I've been trying to give you. Accepted, new, beautiful. Purpose, destiny, wholeness, health. There's an identity I've been trying to give you and and you're not receiving it. If God spoke to you today and said, it's time to receive that identity from God. It's time to shake off that old identity and to take on some part of a new identity. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I'm going to pray and then I want you to respond. I want you to come to someone on the prayer team and I just want you to say, Would you pray with me? God, I want to connect with God. I want to find God. I want to give my life to God. I want to take on a new identity. I want to to get rid of an old one. That's all you have to say. But I'm going to tell you this. When you step across the line and you say, I'm going to act on this. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm not just going to receive it. I'm going to act on it. It's about to get real. Something real is going to happen in your soul when you act on it. When you take a step, it's going to get real. And it won't get real until you do. And the chances of you doing anything about it when you leave this room are very, very low. Either you act on it now, or you probably won't. I'm going to pray, and then I'm I'm going to ask you to come. Holy Spirit, I thank you today for your gentleness and your love. I thank you that your word teaches us that you are humble of heart and you are gentle. Jesus was humble of heart 
and gentle. And you still are. And I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you want to give us soul rest. And I thank you that you have a good identity that you want to give us today. And I thank you that you want to help us to take off those old frames and those old identities. I can feel the heaviness in the room this morning. I know that you have spoken. I know that you are speaking. God, now I ask you to minister life. If God spoke to you, I want you to come right now. I want you to step out right now. And I want you to come. I just want you to move. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I ask you to do any of that. I want you to move. I want you to move right now. I want you to move right now. There's an urgency in my soul that you act on what you heard. I want you to come right now. There's some men in this room that need to move. There's some men. You need to move. You need to move. I'm going I'm to lay down this old identity. I'm going to lay down this disapproval. I'm going to lay down this pornography. I'm going to lay down this generational problem that's been in my family for a long time. I'm going to lay down this, this food addiction or this, this, um, this low self-esteem. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down right now. give you a new identity.